It's the Locked On Aggies Podcast, presented by Locked On Podcast Network, talking all things Texas A&M. Now, here's your host, Cole Thompson. Howdy, everybody, and welcome back into another episode of Locked On Aggies, presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat, talking all things Texas A&M. In today's show, we're going to be looking at all the signees from the 2020 Texas A&M recruiting class and where each of them could fit as part of the short-term process to fixing A&M in 2020. Before we begin even further on that, make sure you're following us on social media at Locked On Aggies. That is your number one source for all of our Locked On Aggies info. Also, check out Aggies SI. All Aggies, part of Sports Illustrated and the Locked On Podcast Network, have partnered together to give you quality content surrounding all things Texas A&M. You're going to want to go check that out at si.com slash T-A-M-U. And of course, if you want to give me a shout out, tell me what I'm doing right, tell me what I'm doing wrong. Tell me things that you like and things that you don't. All you got to do is just message me at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am a mister. My name is Cole Thompson. That's it. Don't worry it out. At Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. We are at the end of National Signing Day, and it was another good year for the SEC. The Southeastern Conference has been known as one of the powerhouse conferences in college football, and there's pretty much evidence to prove that as we've seen a member of the SEC in the National Championship every single year except for, I believe it was 2014, the very first year, where it was Oregon versus Ohio State. Ever since then, an SEC member has been represented, and once again, The recruiting trail proves why the SEC will still be probably the most dominant division in college football for years to come. In 24-7 sports final rankings, seven schools from the SEC were mentioned inside their top 10. Of course, coming in at number one was Georgia, who was able to secure 25 commits, including four-star Kendall Milton at running back, a four-star Kalen Kimber at cornerback, and then you look at some of the other big names. Keele Ringo, that cornerback five-star recruit. Broderick Jones, the offensive tackle, probably going to be playing left tackle at this level. Jalen Carter, another five-star talent. Overall, these guys had four five-stars join their ranks, putting them and Kirby Smart ahead of the guy who ended up actually being his former mentor, and that was Alabama. They landed 25 players, also four five-stars, 17 four-stars. You look at this roster, they weren't able to get some names that you probably wanted, but they were able to get a guy like Bryce Young. Five-star defensive end Will Anderson out of Dutchtown, Georgia. They also got five-star weak defensive end Chris Braswell. The athlete from Denton, Texas, Drew Sanders. You also have to look at the guys who they brought in signed, signing their letter of intents. Timothy Smith yesterday, Brian Branch, Quandarius Robertson, the outside linebacker. This is still a Alabama team that's going to contend for a title for years to come. Coming in at number four was the LSU Tigers. They fall just short of, I think, Georgia and Alabama because of what they weren't able to get in five-star rankings. Only got three total guys and 24 total commits this past season. When you look at what they got, though they do have some early enrollees that are going to make a difference, they have the replacement for Thaddeus Moss and Eric Gilbert out of Marietta, Georgia. They also have their replacement probably for Christian Fulton and Elias Ricks. You pair him with Devin, uh, Derek Singletary, uh, Singletary for a couple years. 
that's going to be another dangerous unit for whoever is going to take over in in Baton Rouge for Dave Aranda. You also added uh, a wide receiver in Kayshawn Boot to help you take over for Jordan Jefferson. You're going to need a quarterback, and when you look at this roster, they weren't able to secure a big-time name at the quarterback position. There's a lot of different guys. TJ Finley, of course, is one pro-style kind of guy. But there's not a good solidifying quarterback when you look at this roster to make them, I think, that top-level commit. Next coming in was AM at number 6. They finished with the number 6 consensus class rating. And you look at these guys, we won't break them down too much, but they did have two five-star recruits, 13 four-star recruits, and I believe it was... Yeah, it was 11 three-star recruits. They finished with a 91.3%, just falling short of the top five. Ohio State comes in at number five at 91.8. So they almost are in that top five range when you look at that class. But following them was a plethora of SEC guys. Auburn comes in. They weren't able to secure any three five-star recruits, but they do now have a replacement for Jatavius Allen and Tank Kigsby. You also got to look at some other guys they got. Kobe Hudson's going to be a big name for, I think, Bo Nix. You look at some of the guys that they signed their letter of intent. Wesley Steiner is going to be a big-time name in the middle of the defense for Kevin Steele. Uh, Zedvarian Capers, another big-time guy. J.J. Evans from Montevallo, keeping it in-state. They have a lot of four-star recruits who are going to make a name for themselves, helping to build up this offense. Following them, Florida. One five-star commit. That was it. And that's something that you hope to see him probably be a big-time name. Gervin Dexter out of Lake Wells, Florida. Five-star. He will be in this summer. Hopefully, he can make an impact on Dan Mullen's line. But yeah, look at the other guys. Jari Rogers and Isaac Walker. You had your replacement for the left tackle position. Probably your first main left tackle since David Sharp to really make an impact there. Jari Rogers. They call it DBU for a reason. This guy from Arlington, Texas is a brutal cornerback. He's going to be able to make plays with his legs. I very much think that this guy is something to watch for moving forward. Finally, closing out the top 10 is Tennessee. They only had 23 commits, but they do have a plethora of four-star talents. 14 guys, including you look at Harrison Bailey, an early enrollee. I do think he can contend for that first string quarterback role. Then you have to look also at some of the other guys. They added Jimmy Holiday, pre, uh, very strong athlete. Uh, Keyshawn Lawrence at the safety position, probably the very first guy since Eric Berry to make that mark. Uh, then you also have uh, Omari Thomas, four-star recruit, defensive tackle. And then they were able to go add some guys like Tyler Barron, uh, Jalen Hyatt, and Jimmy Callaway, all four stars who are going to be able to add to their respective positions. Then you got to look overall at the SEC. Of the top 25, 11 schools in the SEC were named in that top 25. South Carolina comes in at number 18. You also have coming in at number 23, Kentucky. And then when you look right outside the top, inside the top 30, Mississippi State at 27 and Arkansas at 30. In the top 50, 13 of the 14 schools in the SEC made their mark with Ole Miss coming in at number 39 and Missouri coming in at number 50. The SEC is still a dominant division because of how they can recruit. And while they weren't able to solidify their status for all these top-level players, they were able to get some big-time names to really help solidify why the SEC is the most dominant division. You can look up and down the board, and there's not that number of teams in any other conference mentioned 
inside the top 50 are recruiting. Sure, some only got a total of 15 recruits, but what you do with those recruits is what makes your team very special. And the SEC knows how to recruit. They also know what type of players you get. And that's why I see them still being that most dominant division that you look for when trying to scout and see who is going to be the next national champion. But you want to talk about Texas A&M. 25 recruits they got for the 2020 recruiting class. There's some that are going to make a name for themselves early. Some are going to take some time, but who are those guys that we could see on both offense and defense really start making a name for themselves? We'll be discussing that in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, if you're not listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, two questions. One, why not? And two, are you sure you don't want to? It's really simple. Just go to LockedOnPodcast.com to check out all of our great podcasts, including over two dozen college sports shows. On top of that, we have great recruiting stuff in the NHL, the MLB, the NBA. The trend deadline is today, so you know there's going to be stuff to talk about there. And, of course, the NFL going into the offseason. So make sure all you do is type in www.lockedonpodcast.com. Today we're breaking down the 2020 recruiting class and we're looking at how much of an impact every single one of these players on the roster could make this season. When you look at both sides of the ball, A&M is in pretty good shape with starters. Uh, on offense, they were returning eight total guys and on defense, they were returning nine. So you're not really losing that much outside of Colton Prater and two wide receivers for the offense. And then on defense, you're losing Justin Matabike and you're losing a cornerback in Debney Renfro. That's about it. You're not losing really anything else. And then you're losing, of course, in the punting game. So, But you, we already have the punter and Michael Crusand, who will take over as the Thunder from down under for next season. So when we look at the rosters ahead and where these guys who are both already early enrollees and players for the roster where they fit for 2020. Let's just go with a guy automatically we know is not going to have an impact in 2020 on the offensive side of the ball. And that's going to be Haynes King. While he is ranked as a top five quarterback in the nation, and he's the 19th ranked player in the state, ranked inside the top 130, King's not going to be a guy to watch for. The Longview quarterback is just that. He's a quarterback. And Kellen Mond is not giving up his starting role this year. And also, if he was to give up his starting role, I think it would go to Zach Calzada, the impending sophomore for the 2020 season, before we ever see a guy like King take control. King, I think, is a guy who actually might be a better suited for the long-term plan at the quarterback role. But it won't be in 2020. It could be in 2021. So I actually would redshirt him this year. See, let Calzada play the backup role. Figure out where he fits in the future. And if he decides to transfer, he decides to transfer. But you have King now, who is now over a year adjusted to the system. And will have a role for the future. But I don't see him having a role this upcoming year. Another guy, Devin Price. Devin Price is from AM Consolidated, right in College Station. He grew up a big Aggie fan. I don't see him having a role. Uh, Three-star recruit. Uh, he's the 88th ranked wide receiver in the nation. I think he's going to need more time to get used to the system. And even though he's an early enrollee, I think that when you look at him, give him about a year, probably redshirt him as well. And I think that 
you will be able to see him grow and flourish. And when you lose out on a guy like Jamon Osbin for next year, there you go. Now you're able to build up with a guy like Price to take over. Another guy, Blake Smith. You redshirt him. And here's why. You have your blocking tight end in Glenn Beal. You have your receiving tight end in Baylor Cup, who personally was a guy that a lot of people thought was going to be the starter in 2019, suffered a season-ending injury. Then you have your main guy in Jalen Weidemeyer. There's no place for Smith this year. Maybe if Beal didn't leave the transfer portal to come back to AM, there would have been, but right now there's not. So just throw him into the mix, but have him be in a few years down the line. He's not going to be an impact player this year. A guy who is going to be an impact player this year, Damon Damas. Number three wide receiver in the nation, the number four prospect in the state of Texas, the number 25th ranked player in the nation. This is a guy who, when we talk about five-star talent, he's a five-star. He's not one of those guys who is also, oh, maybe we'll give him a five-star ranking at the end of the day. No, he is a five-star. With the loss of Kendrick Rogers, you look at him six foot three, 182. If they can bulk him up in time for the start of the season, you have your big frame receiver to pair along with Musa Muhammad, another guy I do think is going to be one of the top ranked players for AM next year as your fourth receiver. With Anaya Smith moving back to the running back role, I think that you can find a way for him to have a role in your offense. Especially pl- probably playing on the outside with Osmond playing in the slot. You can see both of them working in. Cameron Buckley probably gets the wide receiver three role. Those are your two wide receivers for the future. But for sure, I do think Damos is a guy who's going to have a role on the offense immediately. And another guy, the final guy, who I think is have, going to have a major role on the offense this year. There's two, but let's just go with offensive playmaker. Devin Axney. Acne had over 114 touchdowns in three years of play for North Bend Marshall. For Ben Marshall. The Buffaloes went to the state championship behind the legs of the Missouri City native. This is a guy who isn't going to come in at big. He's 5'9". He's 170 pounds. He's an all-purpose player. You can use him in multiple different positions. Probably swing him out into a wide receiver role. And because of his versatility, that's what you're going to play him as. I look back at what Trey Williams did in the early 2000s, 2012, 2013. That is the type of player I think you can see Acne being. Just a speedster with the ability to make plays with his legs, work up field, and deliver as an impact player. Finally, offensive lineman. There's only one who I think you could see really battle it out. The offensive line seems pretty set. But if you move someone inside to center, Chris Morris, he was the number one player in Arkansas. He was the number five offensive guard in the nation. This is a guy who you probably can pick up, move his legs around, work well. I see him being a guy to compete for a starting role on the offensive line. I do think that maybe he won't be a day one starter, like we saw with Kenyon Green this past year. But he has all the tools to be a capable offensive lineman. And with Green possibly moving outside to tackle even, 
you now have your replacement for Green interiorly with Morris. But those are the guys I do think will have an impact this year. Chris Morris is one. Musa Muhammad the third is another. I think Damon Damas is the third. And of course, I do think Devin Acne is going to be another guy to watch for on offense for the A&M this upcoming season. All four guys, I think, can carve out a nice role for themselves. When you look defensively, there's less guys to replace this year than in years past. And we're going to discuss with maybe who are some names to watch for that will come in and have an impact immediately for Mike Elko's defense in a quick minute. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked on Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson, at Aggies SI, and at Locked on Aggies. When we look defensively at this A&M group, there's not as many guys you're going to have to worry about replacing. There's a lot of young talent there, and there's a lot of names that are definitely going to make somewhat of an impact next season. Really, the two main guys that A&M will lose defensively is Devney Renfro slash Charles Oliver and Justin Matabike. Two are going to the NFL draft for early graduation. One is leaving because if he did graduate and was out of eligibility. So you put all that combined, you're not losing much. So defensively, I expect some guys to make impacts but it's more so a lot more probably either redshirting or playing a secondary role, at least for their freshman year. Two players I could see having roles, but very minimal ones because of the two positions that they play is Antonio Doyle and Edger and Cooper. Cooper was the number one linebacker in the state of Louisiana, while Doyle was the number one linebacker in the state of Missouri. They actually both are ranked third, uh, fifth, and eleventh at their positions, respectively. And they're both ranked in the top five players in the state. I just don't see them having major roles this year. Maybe they're not redshirted, but they don't have the biggest roles because of you look at where they sit behind Buddy Johnson and Anthony Hines. You have two veterans returning to the roster. Both of them made big-time marks last year. I see these guys as definitely role players, but none of the, neither one is going to be taking over for Johnson or, I think, Hines during the season unless an injury occurs. So if that's the case, maybe Doyle I could see getting at the start over Cooper, but I don't see either of them really making a name for themselves. That kind of also goes to the defensive ends, Donald Harris and also Fadil Diggs. Both these guys were very highly recruited. Both are number one defensive ends at their position. Harris is from Florida. Diggs was named the Gatorade Player of the Year by in New Jersey. I just don't see either one of them having that big of a role when you look at DeMarvin Leal and Tyree Johnson. If you're looking at the two, Diggs, I think, gets the upper hand because he's an early enrollee, and you're going to want him to definitely make a name for himself at his position. But at the same time, I don't know if even though he's an early enrollee, that's going to be enough to make him a, you know, full-time starter. But at the same time, last year, DeMarvin Leal, he came in early from Judson. He made a name for himself. And by mid-season, after dealing with an injury, 
he was the full-time starter. And he made a big-time stop against Oklahoma State in the Texas Bowl to help out with him, his status. Another guy that I see probably making a name for himself on special teams at most is Antonio Johnson. This was the number one player and the number one safety in the state of Illinois. And he's an early enrollee. So he's learning in Elko's defense right now. I think that when you see his skill set, it makes a ton of sense. But there's not a real place for him right now. If Keldrick Carper doesn't come back swinging for the fences, maybe. Maybe I could see him making a name for himself somewhere in the secondary. But right now I see him more of a backup probably playing a little bit more special teams, earning his way up the depth chart for a spot in the role. Uh, Joshua Moten, this is a guy who I think is going to be a standout cornerback, but there's so much depth at the cornerback position. Redshirt him this year. Just redshirt him, let him learn the position a little bit longer, let him get used to uh, playing in coverages, getting used to SEC speed. Don't burn him this year. Same with Isaiah Rakes, good player. Very solid defensive tackle. I wouldn't play him this year. If you don't, if you don't need him, redshirt him if possible. Now on the guys who I think will have major roles. The first, McKinley Jackson. This was a guy who we saw yesterday sign with Texas A&M. I think that he is a player who has the ability to be one of the best. Not, I would say, not the best defensive tackle in A&M's history, but he will be the one who I think has the most upside takeover for Matt Abike's production. So with that in mind, I do think he's a player to look at as someone you can probably start to feel him out, where his flaws are, and let Elijah Robinson mold him into a better type of player. I think another one is Brian George. He is a junior college cornerback. We've seen what the JUCO players are able to do. Uh, we looked at what uh, Elijah Blades did last year. Now you're able to pair Brian George, another guy from junior college, from the same area with him in coverage. He's a veteran guy. Yeah, he's a new A&M recruit, but he's been playing college football for a while, so he is like a transfer, but it's a junior college transfer style so he just needs to get used to the speed but he's used to already playing against top level talent of guys who are past the high school level so i think he could be a day one contribution player for the defense especially in the secondary another guy i think that's going to be for sure making a name for himself this year is jalen jones you don't play the number one cornerback or defensive back really in the nation the number one player at his position five-star defensive back you don't let him sit on the bench if you know he can play now and that's what I look at when I see him this is a guy who's going to come in immediately make a name earn some reps and being an early enrollee he's getting used to that defense He's getting used to what Elko's looking for. He's reading coverages. He's able to see what type of routes are going to be run by these offensive teams. In a competitive SEC West, one of the biggest things that LSU did last year that separated them from the pack was get a guy like Derek Stingley 
and have him play in the nickel before working his way to the outside. You can do the same thing with Jalen Jones, but he has outside size to where he's going to be a monster and someone who's going to be dangerous to cover for a very long time. So I think Jones will definitely earn some playing time. Johnson and Diggs are guys who I think will be rotator roles, probably not red-shirted, but definitely won't be major contribution players their first year. Then you look at guys I think like Harris, another one, Doyle, another one at most. Cooper's a guy who I think you redshirt. Jackson's going to be a player who you can rotate in, probably earn some reps. And Brian George is going to be a day one contribution player because of his veteran experience. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Locked on Aggies, at Aggies SI, and at Mr. Cole Thompson. Tomorrow, we will be talking Asking Aggies. It's every Friday. We're bringing it back. We're going to talk about what you want to have answered about AM with their recruiting class, what we like overall with the record, what we can expect for the 2020 season. So send your questions over to at Mr. Cole Thompson or at Aggies SI. We'll be breaking that down. We will see you tomorrow. And remember, take them, y'all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.